the Collected Nightmares podcast. We are sociologists who talk horror films. My name is Marshall Smith. My interest in horror films comes from a skepticism and a concern for uh, about the normal or the typical. I much prefer to wander into the corners of transgression and deviance and what the limits of things are. And I'm Laura Patterson. Marshall and I both have our PhDs in sociology from the University of Colorado. And I've always been drawn to horror because I really think that horror allows us to play with play with the dark and play with the bad experiences and play with the things we don't want to talk about. And that gives us a lot more room for really, really interesting and very needed conversations. Um, and I have to say, I, I miss horror in saying that. We've done a couple episodes recently that have left our standard genre and I am ready to go back. <laughs> I want to go back home, Marshall. Well, we can always go to I spit on your grave deja vu. We should, we need to do that. Yeah. And that's coming. I'll just give a plug. If you are someone who listens, I spit on your grave is an iconic film that is a rape revenge film from 1978 and This year, the original director, along with the original star, came back together and made a sequel, a true sequel. Other films have been made. There was a remake of it. But this is is actually a a sequel from the original creators. And so if you want to have some notice to get ready for that, watch that original film, listen to our episode about that original film, and then you'll be ready to watch this new one. And you may want to give yourself some time because as a rape revenge film, the first one was certainly a difficult watch. Uh, you might not want to watch the first or the you might not want to watch them like in a row. <laughs> I feel like that would be a lot. We haven't seen the second one, so we can't say anything specific about that yet. But just judging from the original. All right. On to our episode for today. We watched the third episode of the newest season of Black Mirror as sort of a counterpoint to our Twilight Zone, the comedian episode. And the title of this episode of Black Mirror is Rachel, Jack, and Ashley 2. The synopsis from IMDb is a lonely teenager yearns to connect with her favorite pop star whose charmed existence isn't quite as rosy as it appears. Directed by Anne Sawitsky and written by Charlie Brooker, Starring Miley Cyrus as Ashley, Andrew Rice as Rachel, Madison Davenport as Jack, and Susan Perfar as Catherine. There will be spoilers in this episode for, uh, for this episode, for the very first episode of Black Mirror from season one, which is the national anthem, as well as the episode San Bernardino. San Juan Apero? Oh, maybe. Is that right? It's the name of a town. I thought it was San Bernardino, but yeah, maybe it is. So I think it's San Junipero. 
Oh, sorry then for the entire episode. I say it wrong. That's fine. Uh, from season three, it's episode four. I just want to be able to give people notice. And then... Archangel. Archangel. Which I think I got the name of that right. Archangel, yes. Which is the second episode from season four. So there'll be spoilers for all of that. There will also be spoilers for the film Cam, which uh, we totally encourage you to watch. It was a really excellent film. We did an episode about that. You can find it online on streaming services. And I specifically mentioned the ending of Cam in this. So if you haven't seen Cam and you're interested in seeing Cam, see Cam before you listen to this. Yeah, or or for sure skip those those parts of this episode, even though it kind of comes up throughout. There was one other... We spoiled the comedian, the Twilight Zone episode. Lots of spoilers this week. I think that was it. Sorry. <laughs> if you were a regular listener and you watched all of our stuff, you wouldn't have to worry. Because you would have seen all of this. Is that really everything? I think so. Okay. And with that, we're going to dive into discussion. Oh, no, no, no. You talked about the ending of Escape Room. Yes. Thank you. Yes, sort of. Enough. Yeah, yeah, possibly escape room. My small. I didn't. I don't think I ever really said. Yeah, a little. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. This worked out. This worked out great for me. I just finished it as you um. <laughs> texted me that you were parking, so that was perfect. So you're not a fan of watching separately? No, and maybe it's because I didn't watch it right now. I watched it last night. Yeah. So it, it does feel kind of distant. And also, whenever it first ends, it's like, whether it's interesting or not, and whether it has a lot of like sociological implications or not, I'm just excited to talk to you about it because we just shared an experience. And by the next day, this one felt like one, unlike Dale and Tucker and Dale, which had like a lot of things I guess I wanted to talk about, this one was more subtle in terms of content, in terms of what I'd want to discuss. And so now by the next day, it's like, it's it just feels less ready to come jumping out of me so yeah we'll see how it goes but i think i like well, maybe i just like watching it right before and then of course we might as well do it together if we're gonna watch it right before you know yeah i agree i think that's still ideal we're making this work that's yeah fine. it's nice to try some different things but even child's play i think we would have talked about had we just watched it together Right. I think we would have found things to talk about, and it could have been good. You, I never know where the conversation's going to go and how interesting it's going to get. I don't necessarily walk into our conversation knowing it's going to go somewhere cool or not. So, right. who knows? We right. may have lost a gem. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, we can still discuss Child's Play sure. when we see the reboot. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Have you watched Black Mirror episodes before? A couple. Okay. Yeah, I watched two, and they were both recommended to me as really good ones, and they both were really good. And I actually thought they were both better than the one that we just saw. But also, there are a lot of episodes, so having only seen a couple, I don't know. Right. Have you? I've only seen a couple, too, and I actually haven't watched more because I found them... I I, I found them, like, too accurate. <laughs> which I, which is funny because uh, I mean we've talked about that before. A lot of horror is often a privilege, and if you're living in, I mean, people who have lived through are living in in really difficult situations may or may not still enjoy horror. Some people I've heard say like, "Oh, you know, I deal with it." My friend who counsels kids who have dealt with death, she's like, "I deal with enough in my." <laughs> life. I don't want to watch it for fun. 
But there are other people we've, you know, we've talked about the two where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I lived through this or that or whatever. And for me, somehow this is like cathartic. I get to, especially, I don't know, for whatever reason. So it's not a one to one ratio, but some of those, yeah, the like, the one where you like exercise to earn credit. I don't know if you watched that one. No, I saw San Bernardino and Archangel. I don't, I don't know titles at all. <laughs> and then I saw, watched the very first one, which is, I thought was just absolutely amazing, where they blackmail the prime minister of, I think, England into fucking a pig. Okay, we've seen totally different ones. <laughs> well, so now I have two more I should watch, apparently, if those are very good. The first one, I, I mean, I thought it was fantastic. Um then I started watching the like tech surveillance dystopian. I watched a couple of those in a row and I was like, this is just depressing. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I love them. I was very impressed with them. I just, I was all set to like watch all of them, you know, straight through. And by the time I got to like the fourth, third or fourth or fifth one, I was like, okay, this is just exhausting to watch. I agree with you in a way. Like, they were really, really, really good. And at the same time, it always felt like work when I would think about going to watch one. But I've loved the other two that I saw. This one I thought was okay. But the other two that I saw were great. And I think about them all the time. And I think they're worth watching. But they are. They're a commitment because they highlight, at least the two that I've seen, highlight really important questions really well. And I love that. And I don't think they provide answers particularly. They just kind of throw out an issue that people are dealing with now, um, you know, especially sort of moving into the future and with technology and that sort of thing. And they're great moral questions. They're great logistical questions. They're just, they're great. Yeah. And they, they, yeah, they make you think really hard about things that are difficult. Right. So, yeah. So, and this episode for me, I absolutely agree with you. They felt like work to watch. I mean, sort of fun work, but still work. And, um, or maybe not fun, but interesting and stimulating and fulfilling, but still a challenge. And this one, I didn't feel like that to me. It felt more, more leisurely to watch. But then, like you said, I don't know if I thought it was as good content wise. So I feel like, I feel like that reflects on, I don't know, maybe that reflects on me of like, you, you get into it what you put out or you get out of it what you put into it or like, like maybe a converse of that or something. Sometimes the more challenging the issues or that a story raises, the more, the more work it may be, the more, more but, but the more feel, fulfilling the journey may be. I think that's absolutely true. I, I'm not going to think back on this one that we just saw. Like I do the other two that I've seen at all. I think you're totally right with that. And I think they really just didn't do as good a job in this episode honing down what their question was. Like that was the first question I wanted to throw out there for us to talk about is what were they even posing as the question? Because it's unfortunate that that we've each seen two and we've seen different two. But I can tell you with the two that I've seen, there were really, really important questions. San Bernardino was about life after death and kind of this idea of basically there's like a computer generated 
way to be alive after you die, whatever that means, as, as far as if you want to call that life or you want to call it whatever it is. And so it deals with these issues of the afterlife and sort of would you choose this and is it a cop-out to choose it or is it perfectly fine to choose it because it makes you happy and a lot of really important questions around that. And Archangel was about surveillance and particularly surveillance of children and how much should you surveil your children? How much would you want to? And where do you run into kind of these moral, ethical, and also just like emotionally practical borderlines where you say, you know what, I can't do anymore. Like I can't actually live your life for you. And so where do you draw that line? And those are really, really good, big questions. And this one, I, I left it and I thought, I mean, it tapped into some different ideas and themes that kind of felt like things they like to address. But like, what was it about? I don't know what their question really was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it it, it certainly dabbled in what you're talking about with, I mean, not death, but essentially she was no longer sentient. She's no longer conscious and... Uh, what if you could transfer yourself to some device, but didn't, I mean, didn't deal with afterlife, but like how, how crucial is it? These issues of simulation and the, uh, the possibility of recreating a person without the physical body, which is an interesting, I mean, that's interesting for sure. Right. Especially in the, in the age of AI and big data and, and holograms and yeah i'm I'm gonna say it's like an interesting theme but there was no choice involved so like the way the story was set up you had our main character that was miley cyrus right correct okay like i'm almost sure that's like obvious and i should know it but just before i say it i'm totally wrong nobody like miley cyrus wasn't choosing to have this done to her and so the dynamic it set up between her and her aunt was clearly like the aunt is doing something wrong because regardless of whether this in general is like an ethical or okay thing to do or whatever, like what questions you might have around living kind of through technology, the aunt, somebody else can't do that to you against your will when you clearly don't want it done. So there was no interesting question of, is this okay? Or like, like basically there was no choice. We knew because it doesn't matter what the aunt was doing. The aunt was doing something to somebody else against their will. So we know that's wrong. And Miley Cyrus wasn't choosing anything. And so you saw it play out and you had this sort of dynamic of like, oh, who's going to win or who's going to, is she going to live? Is she not? But the other episodes that I saw both very, very strongly focused on this idea of choice. And I think that's the interesting piece because they pose a question about some kind of technology or some kind of question, what would you do in this situation? And, And you see, well, going this way has some benefits and it has some downsides and going this way has some benefits and some downsides. And there's moral questionableness floating around and all of that. And then you watch the character wrestle with like, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to go this route or go that route? And there was none of that in this episode. And that I think is what I found really just not fulfilling. That's a wonderful assessment. I felt that there was a lack of depth, which a few of the, with a few of the themes they brought up, but I don't think I didn't, have it put together as clearly as what you just laid out about why I didn't feel like there was the depth that could have been. So, I, I mean, the big questions were, can you recreate or can you simulate another, a person effectively enough to, that they're like them, them as a body is no longer necessary. And then there was a sub theme about, because there was some theme about image 
and um, and how contrived and molded celebrity are and how impactful that contrived image can be in the lives of people, which is, I don't think that's a new theme, but that's, it's still certainly as relevant, if not more as it's ever been. And that was interesting to have the, I mean, it was interesting in the, I guess in the era of Gen Z where everybody sort of makes fun of the, everybody can do anything and everybody should get a chance and everybody should have a, everybody's great. And Rachel really takes that to heart and she's not a star, you know, she's not even, despite all her practicing, that's not her talent, even at the level of a school talent show. Um, <laughs> uh, so there, but there, but that's more sort of just like a, I guess it didn't go super far. And I, it, and then, so what else? So there's, there's, can you offload uh, a personality? Can you, what, what is the impact of celebrity and, and image shaping individuals? What's the danger, I guess, of telling people, especially maybe young people that they can, everybody can do anything, and then there was, I feel like there was something else. And then there was something, I guess there was something about like being trapped by expectations. And that was true for the, so it was like believing in yourself. So there was dad who was like figuring out how to make a new mousetrap, which is like a joke cliche of trying to reinvent something. Um, and the Rachel is trying to believe in herself. The other daughter. (laughs) (laughs) As Laura shakes her head at me. Oh, Um, Jack. Jack. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Jack indeed. And Jack is still playing guitar, even though she's not playing it for anyone. And then... Ashley wants to be a different kind of star, but is is trapped in the expectations. I mean, those are all great, and those are all, I think, interesting ideas, but they didn't, yeah, coalesce into a into a broader message. And I think what you're saying is right, is is it wasn't really a choice. It was it was a much clearer good good people, bad people, heroes and villains. And we're just really waiting to see if the heroes are able to overcome the villains or not, which is fine. And that was probably why it was less work and more recreational and more light light than I remember the other being. Cause we know who we're rooting for and we aren't put in that position of deciding. I mean, major spoiler but that first episode it's like they're like it's like a nuclear weapon or something and it's like we will detonate the nuclear weapon unless you fuck a pig on national television and then the whole thing is like what are you gonna do and that's anxiety producing because i may not be the prime minister of england but but they could do that to anyone right i mean it could just be you so that agony of going through and like debating that decision and like what are you gonna do and all this was was much more problematic, which I think you and I like the problematic 
Whereas an episode like this, it's like, oh, we know what we're rooting for. It's much more straightforward and it's probably more crowd pleasing, maybe. But which is kind of funny because then her pop music is the more crowd pleasing and the easier. So maybe there's something sort of meta going on there, particularly because Bandersnatch, which was their like middle episode, was the choose your own adventure episode, which I never watched. But it was, so it was like the between, I think it was between these two seasons. It was like a one-off. And if you watched it through Netflix, there are points in the, in the narrative where you chose do this or do that. So they like went way far into the choose Interesting. road. And then maybe this is, they came back to something I, more direct. I, I feel like what you were saying about the prime minister there highlights exactly like the importance of choice in this. First of all, because it raises a situation where, like I said, you don't know what to do and you have to, because you're trying to decide what should be done, you have to really weigh both sides of it. And then also, I think from the other episodes I've seen, they set up a really good, how is it that our world has gotten to a point that you could be faced with a choice like this? And this could actually, this could conceivably happen, even if not exactly the scenario they pose, you know, they present to you because like, for example, some of the ones I've seen that technology doesn't exist yet, but things close enough to it do that you can see how this type of question is something you actually will have to face in your life. And I think that's why it feels like work because it's a bit overwhelming. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Like what, you know, how am I going to, the archangel one, like how am I, how much control over my child's life would I want and how much should I ethically have? And yes, you want to protect them and you'd never forgive yourself if something went wrong and you could have stopped it. But then again, you, you're stifling their individuality if you take over too much. And so like, where do you draw that line and what kind of risks do you take? And it's a very interesting. And in this case, they didn't, because of the way they set up the dynamics, it just never happened. And I'm thinking like, how could we do these themes better? Cause I, and I wouldn't yeah. call them questions. I don't think they posed questions to us. I think they answered all the questions, which is not very interesting, but I think they threw some themes out at us, which is all right. Yeah. But you know, if I were going to do this better, I think taking that question, like you said, of, you know, can you sort of upload yourself? Can you exist in some sort of technological platform? Make that the, the real heart of the question there would be, is that the person or is it not? And so set up some sort of dynamic where you have a relationship between two actual people. And now there's somehow a choice that one of those people can be not existing. You know, it's not, it's not them as a person, it's them as a technological piece. And how do you treat that? And what do you do with it? And what, what do you choose? You know, like, and I don't know exactly how you lay out what kind of trade-offs you want to have for each route and like how you'd set that up. But that to me would be the really interesting question because that's what you're getting at. Is this you? You know, if, if I'm sitting here talking to a computer that does everything you do and you're supposedly in there, is that you or not? And that's the question we want to wrestle with. Not who's going to stab who with what needle when. And like nobody, that's not interesting. You know? yeah, right. Yeah. No, you're just along for the ride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even these questions you're raising about celebrity and the contrived nature of celebrity and all of that, like those are really interesting questions to set it up as we have somebody who's stifling someone else's creativity. And the aunt is just coming in and saying, here's what you're going to do, even if you don't want to. And Miley Cyrus is like, but this is what I want. Well, you can't do that because you're not allowed to be you. Well, that's not interesting. I mean, that's just not it's not interesting, <laughs> but like, you know, I don't know how you would, that's a harder one, how you would, because what would be the, what would be the two sides of that question? You don't want to stifle someone's creativity. Maybe just the question of, 
mass appeal versus being totally individualistic, creatively speaking, and not having a following. I guess that would be a good thing to look at. Like, how much do you play to the audience and how much is that a worthwhile interaction or how much do you just say no, no, no? So how much do you do play to the audience or do you just say, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do what I want, even if that means nobody listens to me, nobody wants to partake of my art. And how would one make that trade off? Like that's, that would be an interesting question because that's a question I think artists actually do face. Where do you draw that line? And the messaging, that's an interesting question too. That, you know, on the one hand, the doll, the, the doll, and then also, I guess, our, you know, Miley Cyrus, like, what was her name? I don't remember. Anyway, Miley Cyrus. Her, Ashley. Ashley. Her message of you can do anything you want and you can be whoever you want to be. That's a really interesting question also because, okay, yes, on the one hand, that's absolutely a good mentality to have and people go way too far the other direction on that and encouraging people in that direction is a really good thing because very often it's true or it's it's truer than our own insecurity has let us think it is. And so being pushed that way is great. But there's also a line where you go too far. And like that, the talent show, I think, did a really kind of poor job of showing that to us. I really don't think that was terribly effective at all. But what they were getting at was that like, yes, she can be pushed that way, but she still can't necessarily do it. That is an interesting question. So how do you, how do you make that choice? How do you like, because everybody faces that every day, right? How do you push yourself enough that you know you're not just letting your insecurities take over, but also know when to draw the line and say, you know what? I probably can't fill in the blank. And if I do, I'm, you know, it's maybe not going to go so well. That's a really interesting question. They didn't pose that one either. So full disclosure, I just watched Taylor Swift's first interview in three years before I watched this this morning. (laughs) Taylor Swift has a new single out. And uh, have you followed her? I have no idea what the significance of that is. I wonder if she's sexy and you just like think she's hot or if she has good music or if there's some story I know nothing about. No, she, uh, I mean, she's, she's definitely an attractive, uh, um, person, but, um, she started in country and then moved into pop and then was lambasted in the media for her, sex life she dated she was like serial dater which is fine i don't you know i think it's a pretty classic case of if she, if she were a man it people wouldn't have really cared too much but as a young woman and then so she made an album called reputation and it was uh uh fairly different and it was very much reactionary of like here's what you expect of me but i'm not going to do that this is my reputation, but I'm going to be my own, do my own thing or whatever. And then, which I suppose Miley Cyrus is very much, I mean, this felt to me much more like a, a passion project of Miley Cyrus, even though I guess she didn't write it. I mean, being a Disney kid and then being a sexual a sex object, kind of sexy music icon and whatever. And I don't know what she's doing now, but so Taylor Swift uh, did not, do an interview for three years on that album of reputation. And so this is her first one back. And this first, this single, this new single is very upbeat and poppy and, and happy and positive. And she said she wanted to do that. And I suppose I bring that up because you were saying, you were saying that how would you make that a more interesting choice? 
and or how would you make that a choice and i was thinking like what if you could what if it was something like you could upload your image or your persona at like whatever time so she like creates her country persona and then that persona can just keep touring and then her pop persona can just keep touring and is out there as a hologram or whatever and then the reputation and then this new one but that you know maybe then like she figures out like each time she does that she loses some of herself um or something like that where it like thins you out i um, i love that and we're also we're landing right back in cam i just have to throw I that out there because we absolutely too. are totally that's cool that yeah that's cool which yeah i was absolutely thinking that too is cam very much did that oh, uh, how about this if we had watched cam and we had watched this I would have much, and you just asked me which was which, I would have thought Cam would have been the Black Mirror episode. So much darker, so much more challenging. Of the couple I've seen, so much more consistent with, like you said, raising questions and presenting trade-offs and challenging. So those of you, if you weren't super impressed with this particular Black Mirror episode, but you like these ideas... We strongly recommend Cam, uh, and if you watch it, by all means, check out our episode after you watch it. It's on our uh, website, collectednightmares.com. And it's interesting that she ends up at the club. Like, there's no joy. There's no joy in the episode at all till the very end where they're singing in the punk club or whatever. Oh, that's what I was saying, because the, the fans of, like, the earlier... Ashley are horrified and or whatever turned out uh, totally uninterested and leave. So then maybe you could have this star have some crisis of like, you know, like I'm having fun now, but nobody really likes me. <laughs> you know, like everybody likes who I was 20 years ago and how frustrating is that? Which that does seem more. I mean, that seems like a celebrity thing, but maybe you could tie that into a more individual because that's that's something that people deal with is as you evolve and as you change, you may grow apart or grow together. And how do you keep those relationships going? And what if somebody's like, I wish you were the person that you were five years ago. And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. So I feel like like you're you're saying there's definitely more interesting. I think that's great. Be different ways to kind of wander through that. I love what you threw out there about the idea of like alternate personas and the persona then being able to like tour because they had, you know, they had this idea there of like, oh, okay, her hologram can, they can do a national tour all on the same night because they're all her basically kind of in a way enough. And so like you create, you're you and people want a connection with a person and they want a celebrity to be a person. But if you can just give one performance and suddenly that can be uploaded into a computer and now that can exist, like they can just take enough of you to say, Oh, we've got it. We got it. You can go home now. We don't need you to like continue on. So you evolve into something else because you want to create and now you've created something else. And they're like, okay, we've got that one too. You're done. And like, just that sort of process is really interesting. And, and it's really interesting in line with like the themes of cam, like how much do you exist as your persona Mm. and as what people see you as versus existing as yourself? And what do you find fulfilling and what are you really seeking? Like cam, I think ended on a really, cool interesting note by having so much turmoil ensue because of this whole process you know and then our main character at the end decides to jump right back on in because that persona is so valuable and that was a cool choice that was interesting because because i think it highlighted how not black and white the issue is 
Damn, the movie was so good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about all the better Black Mirror episodes and other movies that address these topics better. I also, you know, you plugged Cam that people should watch that. I also think if you like the themes in this, the San Bernardino episode of Black Mirror is excellent and addresses the idea of sort of existing in a machine, at least, in a way that was much more thoughtful and much more really interesting. There's another Black Mirror episode that I've seen that uh, dealt with what would you trade for a shot at stardom, at celebrity, and I, I don't remember what it was, but it was... Yeah, this just wasn't quite up to what I was hoping for, I guess. There's something else. Oh, the other thing, the other piece where I think they could have... Well, I guess that's what we're talking about. Of Well, then they have Ashley, the little toy robot, whatever, and then Ashley, the person, when they wake her back up. And they have two Ashleys, but then they don't... They really don't explore that, but that could be really interesting too, right? Oh, super interesting. That, that's like the more interesting question, I feel like, of everything that they threw out around the, her existence in the machine was that. Definitely. Which and, was very cam, right? Oh, okay, now there's two. How do you... Ooh, what about this? Oh, well, I guess that's basically stealing Cam's plot, but... <laughs> <laughs> what if it was just Cam instead? <laughs> what if? <laughs> so if she, if she was like, look, I'm tired of doing all this, I'm, I'll upload myself and all being control is and then that hologram takes a life of its own that would be cam right absolutely yeah and they glossed over strangely they glossed over that in this episode like the the little ashley doll decides to come in and like kill the real ashley and that question the question of what what does that mean was like basically just kind of threw out at the last second and not even really dealt with and then we just move on and that i found to be very weird it was weird, and I, that's when I I remember distinctly thinking, "Oh, this is going to get interesting." When, and then it when, didn't. Right when the when the doll pulled the plug or the toy pulled the plug, I was like, "Oh God, what, what, what are we going to do now? She's going to exist as this little thing. Like, what's going to happen?" <laughs> and and then yeah, they totally didn't at all. That was the, they just threw that aside. I just have to say, also having just watched Child's Play. As we did. There were a lot of throwbacks to Child's Play in this. And there were a lot of, like, the attitude of the doll felt very Chucky in a lot of ways. And, like, you know, when it can't get out, I I don't need your help. I mean, that was so, oh, my God, that was so cliche. You saw it coming from a mile away. And it still made me laugh. You know, I don't need your help. (sighs) Can you open the door? Like, that was so obvious and yet still kind of funny. And it, it just never came together, though, like... I was interested in the funny little doll and the sort of evil funny little doll was a funny character, but that doll didn't really serve any purpose. Plot wise it did, but like interesting question wise, it really very little. I mean, it could have been, gosh, even the question of, of can you be friends with a machine? Super interesting and important, but they didn't really deal with it. I mean, I guess we saw two perspectives on that. They were very shallow. And and you know what I thought was, was going to happen. I thought she was going to go to the talent show and there were going to be like eight girls who were doing exactly the same thing because they also got Ashley's and they all were told you're going to be unique and special and you should practice. I was told, I thought that was, and she was like going to be second or whatever. So the first person was going to go out there and do that. She was going to be like, 
shit, you know? That's the best idea. Again, we could have done such a better job. That is the best idea ever. That's and totally then, what I thought was going to happen. I was like, because like you said, that's totally interesting, right? And then uh, of like this this reach of celebrity into these homes and like, oh yeah, now you have this sort of AI that you can interact with and you think is your friend and they're telling you all these things, but every person who bought that is basically having the same... Uh, underlying interaction, right? I, I don't know. Yeah, that's I'm so sorry. good. No, the fact that she then, when she did her makeover, that she came out looking just like Ashley, perfectly fits with what you're saying. Like they'd all show up looking exactly the same, doing exactly the same thing. I just can I also I say that I, <laughs> that's a, that could be a really good episode. I also have to say I didn't think that her performance was so bad. I mean, I'm not saying it was good. It just wasn't, it it wasn't effective. I thought for what they were trying to convey, what you said is a way better idea. And that's how the story should have gone. And it should have totally been about something different. But even if they were going to just make it what it was, it didn't go that badly. And I still honestly felt like the message of if what we were supposed to take from that scene was like, oh, she shouldn't have, she shouldn't have just been told that she can do it because she can't do it. She, that, that was silly. She put herself out there. I didn't like that as a message because she could she was fine and i think had she had confidence which she didn't i mean it was funny how in her room she kind of did and then when she got up there she looked like she didn't she looked like probably better than i would if i was trying to do that frankly but like you know if she had had better confidence around that if she had like she could have done it and she wasn't so terrible those people in the audience shouldn't sit there and be like oh no what happened i mean even when the chair knocked over it just it's not I think the message still should have been, yeah, you can do this. That's absolutely something you can overcome and something where her insecurity was what was holding her back. Right. And I don't know. It was just, it was like ideologically convoluted and messy to have her then driving home in the car. And it's like, well, that was a mistake. Like, no, it wasn't good for her for being the new kid and going and joining a talent show. Yeah. And right. I don't know. I didn't like that. And that was the only, I mean, some, some piece of that is what I was thinking earlier is like, is like, there was no joy. There was no fun in it. She wasn't, she did look like she was having fun when she was practicing, I think, a little bit. That was just, even the, even Jack, who was doing her own thing, sort of. Okay, she likes whatever music, harder, hard rock music and, or alternative rock music and is playing guitar or bass or whatever it was. And, uh, but she, she wasn't like happy doing it. Till that very unseen in the club, they're playing Nine Inch Nails. Like they're, they're totally having fun, and I don't know if there, that was supposed to be commentary at all. And then what? Why? Why is Dad gone? Why does he leave right during her performance? Like, okay, the mount, the mice are more important to him than anything else. And I get. I mean, it sort of made sense because uh, Ashley is like a rat. Or like a mouse in a cage and feels trapped. And so there's some sort of like loose connection there. But other than that, I don't know if I really understood. I took it as just sort of sadly highlighting her feelings of being like detached and not having community. And I guess, okay, you know, she wanted, she wanted, she didn't have clearly a close relationship with her dad. She didn't have a close relationship with her sister. She didn't have any friends at school. And so she, all she had was this Ashley doll. Okay. But it was weird. The whole mousetrap thing was weird. The, I hated the scene where the girls showed up at the house with the silly mousetrap. Just do anything better than that. You could have made it, but they could have just snuck in. They could. I mean, there could just be 
a million ways to get them in that house if that's what you want to do that don't involve the most like I was embarrassed for the show yeah. kind of scene. It was like the beginning of Greta where I'm sitting there and I feel bad for you, not because it's awkward. Like I'm effectively feeling the awkwardness of the scene. I feel awkward because like actors acted that and right. somebody wrote that and oh no, just, it's just, this yeah. is so wrong. It was so bad. Yeah. So bad. Yeah, it was bad. And they leaned into it. It was so much longer and so much more drawn out than it needed to be. And if, I mean, it was, okay, it's contrived. Just tell them, okay, I got to do this. Don't belabor it and have her making up bread box permit <laughs> bullshit. And like, it was so bad. Like, it was so bad. Like, look, if this were a fake, would we drive a truck that's dressed like a fucking mouse? It'd be like, okay, fine. Go in, do your thing. Go to the bathroom. Like, that's all you needed. You didn't need all this other BS. You really didn't. And it just, it was just the more was the worse. Absolutely. And he, he could have just been less skeptical and that would have been fine. Like he could have been like detached and like, oh, whatever. All right, come on in. Could have looked at them, could have looked at the car and been like, all right. Right. Just don't fuck anything up or whatever. And even if he wasn't so concerned, it was weird because he's like, well, I don't know if I want you to go to the bathroom by yourself. And so the other girl has to come up with her ridiculous bread box line. Who wrote that? That was so bad. It was so bad. Like... She didn't have to deliver that to keep him there, to have him looking under the counter for, like, just make him not skeptical. Make him plan on his phone when he answers the door and not even look at her and be like, oh, okay, whatever. You're here for whatever. Fine. Right. And all the important people are gone. Who cares? Right. And he didn't matter. It didn't matter. He didn't have to be an obstacle that then was overcome in the most ridiculous way possible. (sighs) Yeah, that was definitely the worst bit. The acting, I thought, was great. I was really impressed with Miley, I have to say. I, actually, I thought everybody did well as an actor. There were some, that, that, there were some writing concerns. I have to say, I, st- I still thought it was like, it was like a solid piece of entertainment. I suppose I'm a little bit disappointed because of my expectations, the level of my expectations from what little I had experience I'd had with Black Mirror. It, it was no Greta. You know, it was—it wasn't just like this painful, wandering, heartless um, experience. You're right. <laughs> I mean, I was entertained. I don't yeah. know how you I was like, "Oh, this is kind of fun." This is—I'm still, and, and I believed I was interested, and I kept being interested. My, my suspension of disbelief was not that bubble was not popped, really. Uh, except maybe for the getting into the house's exterminator scene. Yeah. I agree with you. It was it was okay. It was fine. But compared to the, what was my bar of other Black Mirror episodes, mm-hmm. it was not even on the same level. I mean, just mm-hmm. not at all. Right. So part of the reason we watched this was just kind of a comparison to Twilight Zone. And I will say I... From our discussion of Twilight Zone, by all means, listen to that episode, too, on The Comedian, the first new Twilight Zone reboot episode. They didn't they didn't film this using the conventions of a genre that didn't fit. <laughs> so, I mean, they did a lot of things right, or at least on, on track. It may not have all come together, but there wasn't anything painfully, like... Part of what we said about the Twilight Zone was it was everything about it was a horror film, except they didn't actually ever deal with the potential horror. And this, it was 
it was like a dramatic thriller. For me, they managed to keep a little bit of like looming danger. Oh, this is creepy. And I wonder what is going to happen with the doll or with the with the hologram or with the sisters and the, the mousetrap. Like, how is this all going to come together? And I think they could have. I think they could have filmed this as a as a darker kind of genre piece. And it really didn't need to be. It, it was it was done appropriately. I agree with you. And I'll, I would say in the Twilight Zone, my major concern was that it should have been a horror because it was dealing with the themes it was dealing with were horror themes. And by leaving out the horror, it's like you left out the bad side of the experience. And so I think someone going through the motions of watching that Twilight Zone episode gets to the end. And when you try to give them the push of like, here's the right road to take, because it was prescriptive. I mean, it was like, this is the way you should go. That's so not effective when you don't show the bad, when you just gloss over all the bad stuff and try to say, here's how you should be, because there could be bad consequences, but we're really not going to talk about those a whole lot. That's, that's a terrible argument. And in this one, I don't think they were being prescriptive, at least not about anything that wasn't painfully obvious. Like, don't make other people do things against their will. Well, okay. I mean, but you don't need to walk me through. You could. It'd be a better movie, I guess, if you did. But, like, it's not. They just didn't even make a push for an argument because I think it wasn't about It wasn't about a question. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like you're saying that you saw that in the plot. And I was more talking about the style and technical aspects and sound and lighting and all that. Right. But I think both. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, think, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely both. Um, so watch other black mirror episodes, watch cam right. <laughs> and this one, you know, you can probably let go. <laughs> right. If you're a fan of Miley, she's great. Who's entertaining, but yeah. So if you want to watch a black mirror episode and not be challenged and like exhausted at the end, you watch this. <laughs> I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed the Twilight Zone episode. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or the best thing, but I did. I agree with you in terms of just entertainment, like sitting there watching it. It was more fun to watch. But the Twilight Zone episode, I think, raised more interesting questions for me, even just in our conversation, like mm. thinking about it because there were because they were clearly trying to do something. And so there was this idea of like, how could you do that better? And in this, I don't even know what they were trying to do. So like, I think we could come up with lots of roughly thematically on target better ways to like address the types of things they addressed. But because I don't know what they were even getting at, it's like, I don't even really know how to talk about how to do it better. Right. Cause we'd have to know what it was. So we should probably pitch a TV show to somebody. <laughs> yeah. We're like, <laughs> how about we'll just take other people's crappy TV shows and we'll write them better. <laughs> I, that's yes. I, I like dreamt that I, I'm not at night, but like daydreamed the other day. What if somebody just came to us and was like, we love your podcast. Why don't we pay you to watch our, watch our raw cut and tell us how to improve it. Great. Oh, I want that job. Can, can we do I that? I mean, that's a job, right? People That'd be great. Do that. Yeah, I would love to do that too. So all you Hollywood executives out there who are listening to our podcast, we're, uh, we're open. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was thinking that because there's um, script pipeline. Do you still get those emails? They're like, you can like pitch a TV show. All you need is like a log line. You don't even need a full screenplay. And I was like, 
<laughs> we could just be like, give us the last person's thing and we'll do it better. Right. <laughs> Whichever one you didn't like, send it to us and we'll send it back. And yeah. it'll be right. drastically improved. I think, <laughs> right. I, I think we need to, we, I think, what do you think? I think probably we need to have our own success and then somebody might do that. Right? Well, we're working on that too. Right. We are. Who knows? Maybe. I feel like, yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. That might fall on the line of, of what we were saying about celebrity and who are, who are you playing to and playing to sort of your own, like feel like you did a good job or playing to like the audience. Because I think both of us wrote screenplays that we thought were really good and compelling and interesting and really dealt with questions, the questions that we like to talk about and we like to raise, like we nailed those questions in those <laughs> screenplays, you know, like you wouldn't be sitting here having a conversation about what it's about and not be able to pull up like 10 different really good examples of exactly what we're talking about. And I think sometimes people like that. And sometimes from some of the feedback that we've gotten, that's maybe not so appealing to audiences. Because right. <laughs> I got some really bizarre feedback, like really bizarre, like, oh, you know, this person seems not like tied enough into your main plot line. What if you make it the main character's mom? That is irrelevant. It is so tied in. Do you understand what we're talking about here? Because it is exactly what needs to happen at exactly the right time because it fits this argument. And here's the argument. Like, yeah, I don't like that they're not related. Like, I think, I think everybody needs to know each other. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I can't think of... I, can't, I don't have a specific example off the top of my head like that. But, uh, but yes, I would agree with you. And I think... I mean, for us, who knows if anybody listening actually cares, but I think we both appreciate that it is easier to... <laughs> how about this? It's easier to just sit and criticize what somebody else has done. And we appreciate that people are are making these things and putting in the effort, and particularly those folks who are doing a good faith, I want to create something that says something or asks a question, and I'm interested in this topic... I think we appreciate that much more than the folks who are like, oh, here's the thing that's on trend and here's all the demographic numbers. Let's make something that will take advantage of that. For example, the Pet cemetery remake. <laughs> I feel like one of these days, criticism people is going to come back to bite me. Um, but anyway, whatever. Uh, we recognize that we have written our own things and we have we've been on the other side of that criticism and I think that's also why we try and include like how would we do it better so we're not just saying oh yeah that was bad and this sucked and that didn't make sense we're we're trying to offer um it's I think it's more of a challenge to say here is an alternative that could have been more interesting or we think would have been more interesting instead of just saying what's wrong and for us, that's important to do because we do still, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll speak for myself. I do still love all of this and I believe in, in the power of film and, and the ability to raise questions and tell stories and the importance of representation and fiction and all of this. And, uh, and just because maybe a, a particular episode didn't come together in a way that I thought was ultimately a mind-blowingly good experience it doesn't mean that i don't respect what people are trying to do and and it comes from a place of let's make this better yeah i think we're trying to be constructive ultimately in all this well and just learn i mean i i feel like i'm trying to learn also what 
works and doesn't work. And when I work on my own things, it's like, I don't, it's not like we can just watch it and know the answers. Sometimes something that seemed like it would be a good idea, you watch it play out and suddenly you realize, oh, now I see a place where I would have done something differently. Or I don't know. I, I appreciate you saying that because you're right. We're not trying to be, <laughs> to sit here like we have all the answers because we don't. You're right. And we're not trying to just be only negative, I, which for me is one of the, I, if we ever got to interview someone for a film or a TV show or whatever that we ultimately didn't think was good, more than anything, I would love to ask a director or a writer, like, is this what you wanted to make? It, did you ever feel like this went off the rails? Did you ever sit and watch the final cut and be like, well, I got to give them something. This is the best I can do. I, I'm not really, I'm not thrilled and like, what would you have done better? And was it budget or was it producer interference? Or did somebody tell you, was it focus group? Uh, I just listened to an interview with um, the director of Panic Room, not Panic Room, of uh, Escape Room. And he talked about they had an original ending that was much darker uh, and much more it didn't give anybody a win. It was bleak. And he said, like, focus groups just hated it. And so they ultimately changed it. So there was a, a win, which I don't remember exactly how that was. And that's not necessarily important. But for me, that made me think, I mean, just knowing me, I would have been like, I want the dark, bleak, depressing, like, soul-crushing ending. And what do you do if you have all of that together? And the studio says, because it, it was really, it was really interesting. He said that, they did that. They got whatever the focus group. They like have a, a number of how many people liked it and how many people didn't. And then he got however much budget to film a new ending. And uh, he said that they had a minimum percentage of people that had to like it in the new focus group for the movie to even get released. Oh, interesting. So it was like all or nothing. And so he said this new screening, he was just watching and he was just like, he was just like dread of... I made this new ending. If people don't like it, he was like, you know, they could send it direct to video. They could just bury it. They could have somebody reshoot it. You, you know, he, lo he would, could lose total control over it. And I was like, oh, God, what a horrible situation um, to be in. Like, there's a movie or a TV show in that somewhere. But anyway, I thought it was super interesting. Yeah. And so the, he did make the number. And they like whoever the focus group liked the new. But God, can you imagine picking a hundred Americans or whatever and being like, 70% of you have to like this in order for my movie to be released? Well, we're right it's back like to the nightmare. theme we just raised, just right. to bring this all full circle about like being creative for yourself and what you think the message is you want to deliver versus playing into the audience. And yeah, that's. And end up standing in front of the audience ranting. Like, you people suck. You don't understand. How do you not like this? Uh, yeah. Or maybe I would sell out. Maybe it's not selling out. Maybe it's, maybe, I, he didn't seem like he felt like he sold out. He was like, that's, you know, it was fine. He, he seemed very okay with the alternative ending. And maybe there'd be a way to do that. But that was interesting. Did you ever watch that? No. It, it was really. It was uh, it was much better than I expected. Hmm. 
yeah, for whatever. It, it worked. It worked. So it's a cool idea. Have you ever done an escape room? No, huh? Oh. It seems like a good setup. I don't know. Yeah. I have a hard time believing that changing the ending to a movie wouldn't change your overall message so oh, much. change it. Yeah. And then if you were making a movie to deliver a message, that would seem really problematic. But I guess it depends what you're making the movie for. Because people also make movies, I think, for the experience of going along for the ride, which is different. That You're not trying to deliver some sort of message or make people think about something in particular. You're trying to take them on a, a ride, right? A, you know, through some sort of experience. So I guess I guess I could see that being okay. My kind of, I feel like if I, it was my kind of movie and the kind of movie I would have written, at least, ooh, that'd be rough. That'd be rough. Would I just want it to die in the corner somewhere? Or would I want it to reflect a message that wasn't really what I intended to put out there? I don't know. We should write a Black Mirror episode on that. There you go. We should. I was thinking there, I think there's like something we could start using as a, as a categorization of... So I feel like a ride movie or TV show, it's like a roller coaster. And then I was trying to think, what's the alternative? Like a... A question... I think it's like a bouncy house or something, you know, like where you go in and play versus you're on tracks and you. Oh, I like that. You know what I mean? Like there's some kind of there's. So we could talk about that. Two different kinds of movies, because like you just said, there are movies where I just want to take you on a ride and that's fine. And sometimes I'm totally on board for just being on the ride. This was totally a ride film. And I think I would have been more fine with that if I didn't expect a. Well, bouncy house is what I want to stick with, but <laughs> yeah, whatever. I know you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, it kind of works. It works, sort of. Right. I like. There's no destination. Yeah. 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 And you're, you're not stuck on. Yeah, and your experience isn't dictated by the medium that you're in, which I think is a lot more interesting. I mean, as in, you're going to get things that would support one argument. You're going to get things that would support another. You're going to have to question it, and depending on who you are, what you're going to what you're going to end up feeling at the end of that is going to be very different. I think that's that. I think that's that too. Thank you for listening. This has been the this is the Collective Nightmares podcast. My name is Marshall, and I'm Laura. And you can find us online at collectivenightmares.com. Our full catalog of previous episodes is there. You should be able to find us on any podcast app, uh, certainly through iTunes. By all means, subscribe. We'd love it if you would review us and tell anyone you know who you think might be interested in listening. Instagram is is at Collective Nightmares, and we announce new episodes there, as well as Twitter, which is at Collect Night. And horror films are our collective nightmares. funny that we chose black mirror as like a as like a guaranteed sociological yeah i don't <laughs> i want to go back to horror i'm i yeah, miss it too, for sure i uh it was it's it's that's actually been an interesting thing that's come up for me like in 
watching the Twilight Zone, and then again in watching this, why do I like horror so much more, and why do I feel so much more at home in that genre talking about things? And I, I think a lot of it really does have to do with the fact that many things in life, most things in life probably have dark components. And yeah. when you try to talk about them without talking about the dark, I hate that. Like, I mean, I hate that just as a personality trait, you know? Like, I don't like being in relationships with people. I mean, friendships and, you know, just having any sort of like connection with people where you can't talk about the things you're not supposed to talk about. And so I think that's why I love horror so much because it it doesn't dabble in things that are scary or dangerous or offensive or hard to look at or hard to feel and then just skirt away from them. It actually like hangs out there long enough for you to really have a real conversation about it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's very well said uh, for sure. And yeah, I was looking like Tucker and Dale was great. Uh, Our discussion there was great. Twilight Zone. Yeah, it wasn't really horror. This wasn't really horror. What else did we watch? We did Ma. Ma was... Oh, yeah. I thought Ma that was, was great. Yeah, and that was good. Velvet Buzzsaw, but that wasn't even really horror either. I agree. So, yeah, for sure. We did, like... Which is sort of too bad, because Velvet Buzzsaw... I, I mean, that I really thought was going to be full, just straight-up horror. Uh, Ma, that's right. Ma was absolutely horror, and that was a really good discussion, too. So, you're right. I mean, I think Tucker and Dale and Ma, of all of these, have been... We've gotten our best... Or we uh, they've been... The best discussions are most fun for us, and they're the horror films that we've watched. So yeah, let's jump back in. Let's go for like. Should we do? I mean, we got to do this. Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's do that next. Deja vu. And we'll watch it together. Yeah, that's one we gotta watch together. And I think that I think we probably ought to just expect is gonna be like a two-hour possible discussion. Welcome, this is the Collective Nightmares Podcast. My name is Marshall Smith, and... Ugh, never. I can never in one track. <laughs> Super excited to be here and talk to you. So something I saw was that if you don't... Oh, God, I already hit. So you can see, that's where I bumped the table. Oh. And it, like... Distorts? Yeah. Yeah. If you don't talk directly into the microphone, plosives don't spike as much. What's a plosive? If you, wait, if you don't talk. Oh, so you're saying don't talk directly. That's, well, I, I'm just trying it. I'm just trying it. Oh. So yeah, plosives are plosives. Uh, are P's and T's. Let's try that. Is that louder now? Um. <laughs> oh, maybe. Well, that looks. Look at it. It looks louder. Oh, maybe. Yes. But so I don't. I just happen to like see that and like research it. it okay. Seems to be okay. Sure. So let's see if I do this and I let's see. Plosives like P's and T's and then sibilants, which is S's. Oh. Well, that's cool. Plosives, which are P's and T's, and sibilants, which are S's. I don't. See a whole lot of difference. It could be. I mean, you might not see it on there, but you might still notice it when you hear it. Well, you'll see it. Oh. Like, if you look at the others, like, S's are... Oh, there we go. There's an S. Shark spikes. (laughs) (laughs) 
versus okay so that so that was a direct it's still yeah okay whatever i just okay. I'll, I'll do some more research for another time cool